This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
<laughs> hey, ladies and gents, it's 7.30 and it's a Monday night. Of course, this is what Monday nights are for. It's a Tilt and Talk show coming to you live across the airways tonight. And don't forget on Switch Radio tomorrow night as well. Of course, we're sponsored by Boyle Sports, the principal sponsor of Birmingham City Football Club, with our good friends at SAS Autos, Borsy Labour Club and Garrison Coffee. Have I got it right this week, Chris? You have. Oh, yes. Introducing uh, the one and only Mr Natalie Peters. Good evening. And, of course, Mr. Robe. Hello, everybody. Good evening. And shiny himself, Mr. Sheen. Good evening, all. Mrs. Brown. <laughs> My good self. And, of course, the one and only Lee Clark, ladies and woo, gentlemen. Woo, 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 woo. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Welcome, Lee. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Ah, it's all right, mate. Actually, you're quite good looking, really, aren't you? Yeah, he's in real life. It's amazing what these camera phones can see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great to see you smiling. It's great to have you back in the company of Birmingham City fans as well, matey. And um, well, sorry it didn't work out, but to be honest with you. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. It didn't go the way um, the, the, the fans deserved or where the club should be. It's a, it's a Premier League club and everything, Absolutely. but where it is, the facilities, the support, the numbers, um, the people behind the scenes when I was there, even though majority of them aren't there now, uh, in terms of you know the, the English administration team who were there, who basically uh, kept the club going in terms of uh, trying to do the right things, because obviously we all know that we're in a bit of a financial black hole at the time uh, we were you know we I I thoroughly enjoyed it if I could turn the clock back and start again and obviously know what I know now um, you know you do a few things differently but I wouldn't turn the clock back in in terms of um, would I would I make that choice again of course I would it's the biggest club I've managed and I wish I could have been uh, more successful, but uh, it, it wasn't to be. There was, there was mitigating reasons. Obviously, something to do with myself as well. Didn't do as well as I wanted to, but also reasons why that, you know, I was a little bit hamstrung at times as well. Mm. Total and utter respect to you, gentlemen. Total and utter respect to you. What, 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 a, what an opening statement. That's superb. Uh, right. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna headlong into that most iconic moment in, in the world ever. In the world, right? Ever. <laughs> now we've had some as Birmingham City fans. Now me and Chris have been well. Chris has been going a lot longer than I have because he's a lot older. Um, <laughs> I've been going since '973, and I can remember first beating the Villa, uh, staying up against Notts County, uh, relegations. Promotions, Carling Cup final, Leyland Daft Cup final. You jumping into that crowd is right up there in, the, in, in those iconic moments. Now, if I'd have run that fast, I'd have died three times on the way down there, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> what possessed you to just, when you went up, and, and I watched it so, so, so many times, honestly, and you were pointing, you were going, that's for you, it was for you, it was for you, and that was for you. And it was brilliant, iconic, superb, nice one. Great moment. No, I meant, I meant that it was for them, and I meant the fact that it would be achieved was because of the supporters. Those numbers that turned out, we didn't deserve those type of numbers to come to Bournemouth that day. We'd had a, you know, a, a terrible run towards the end of the season, and uh, it was, um, you know, we, it was just astonishing the numbers that turned out. 
um, the, the day was just completely weird. Um, you know, woke up and and usually you've got as soon as you wake up in the morning of the game, it's it's there hitting you. I felt quite relaxed, even though you know I knew the magnitude of the game. Uh, and then when the players went out to warm up, when it's an away game, it's a difficult time as a manager because when at home you've got your own office, you can go and sit and watch the TV. If there's a live game on, you can go and watch that and try and take your mind off the game until the players come back into the dressing room and you do your final bits and pieces. But in the away game, you obviously haven't got your office, you're just sitting in the dressing room. And um, I usually have my phone off and uh, before a couple of hours before the game, but this day I didn't. And um, I remember just sitting in the in, in, in the dressing room on my own, quite lonely, um, quiet moment. And I just sent my family a text to say, thank you for the support. It's been a tough time. Um, sure. You know, you, you, you have been terrific. I've given everything. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but you know, I know you'll be there waiting and um, I switched my phone off and then uh, got ready for the game. And even at 2-0, you know, um, I felt we'd played, we'd played some decent stuff and they had had two breakaway chances. And I just turned to Malcolm Crosby and Richard Beale and Steve Watson and said, we get the result. It all depends what's going to happen with Doncaster's result. But I just felt yeah, yeah. we would. It was, even though the game, we were running out of time and we're 2-0 down and staring into the abyss. I don't know if you call it craziness on my part, but I just felt we did. And when we got the equaliser um, and then the whistle went, it was just all the, the emotion that had come through because, to be honest with you, leading up to the game, the thoughts of the club going down, that was just that totally consumed me in terms of I wasn't bothered about my own personal position or reputation. I was bothered about what was going to happen to the club and what was happening to the players and the supporters, that's all that mattered to me. <clears throat> Nothing else was of importance to us. So, when what, would have the... happened? what would have actually happened, Lee? Have you been given any specific ideas about what would have happened had it turned out for the worst that day? It's difficult to say. I, I, I was on record as saying when I'd done the press, which lasted for hours after the game, that the club could have went into Armageddon in terms of dropping into the yeah, yeah, League yeah. 1 and the financial position of the club as well. Um, yes. So, you know, it, it doesn't bear thinking about. And that's why the that emotion came out. And, and and it was just me just saying thank you to the supporters for this being unbelievable that day. And whenever you talk about fans giving you that backing through thick and thin, that was an unbelievable example of the supporters backing us, even at 2-0. The noise that was coming from the way end, the continuous singing it's that all week would hear. You know, you'd obviously, if you yeah. were in amongst the fans, you might have yeah. heard one or two people would, who were disenchanted, of course. But in terms of the general noise of, of the support, it just it got louder and louder. And, and, and it just, that was me just saying, yeah, you know, these players on the pitch or the ones on the pitch doing it, but you were just as important and played as such a huge part. And that was just can you see them good? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, whenever anyone mentions yourself, Luke, to any of our fans, the first thing we think of is passion. Bolton. You know, Absolutely. passion and desire. And, you know, if you could kick the ball yourself, obviously, and run on the pitch again, you know, watching you from in the stands, you know, I could see it from a mile off. I, I, you know, you was kicking every ball, weren't you, from the dugout? 
Yeah, it was listen. It was it was tough, and um, and you were kicking just, the advertisement boards as well. Yeah, that that was the night in Burnley. I was doing a good what impression of me good pal Tamuri there. It's um, fire, yeah. Well, that, what happened yeah. that night? I, I think I went upstairs on the Saturday game before, and we'd got a positive result. So I thought I'll go back upstairs and watch the game from behind the dugout upstairs, which in an ideal world, I'd like to do that every game because you get a much better viewpoint higher yeah. up than you do when Absolutely. you're yeah, standing at ground level, you know, and you see so many different things. And even if, and, and especially if you, if I used to sit down in the dugout, which I very rarely did at, at, at St Andrews, um, it, it you were like looking actually along, all you could see was like the players' feet see, and you were looking yeah. above. So it was, yeah. so I, I thought I'll go back upstairs and um, I just felt, I mean, we ended up being 3-1 down in the end and we got the two late goals by Kiko, but yeah. we had some terrible refereeing decisions in the game and I was sitting with the fourth, uh, the, the uh, referee assessor next to us and he was agreeing with everything the referee was doing and there was some of the most diabolical decisions and I was like, what chance have you got when the assessor who's sitting up here I was actually agreeing with the poor decisions that the, the man he's assessing is making? Yeah, I, got wound, I got I got wound up upstairs. So when I went downstairs, I had a pop at the fourth official, and then obviously we got those two late goals, and that was my, you know, it's a bit peed off, and that was me, you know, getting the frustrations out of what it, I felt would been dealt a really um, poor hand by the officials that night, you know. And what damage yeah. did you do to yourself? Yeah. Pardon. What damage did you do to yourself? I done nothing, but I just bought myself a lovely pair of brand new shoes that were ruined. So <laughs> when I when I got when I got to them as well, and I and I take a lot of pride in me in my <coughs> shoes and stuff like that. So I was absolutely devastated when I got to them and lost up the bit. Well, not even a bruise. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, Leo. Would you say was your best signing for us as the manager? Was it, would you say was the best player you signed? Um. Well, there was, there was, two, there was lots, there was lots of there was lots of loan signings. There was obviously a lot of the youngsters who were brought through. I mean, if you're talking for what they, they went on to achieve for the club and what the cost, you know, Paul was Paul Robinson was always yeah. a pound for pound a big signing for us. We yeah, lacked a lead. We lacked a leader. I think he came in just training with us initially, then a little bit of a trail and. Within a couple of days, I was ready to take him. I knew the, the leadership and the example he could be to the team. He's never seen a die attitude. He's obviously ability, played in the Premier League. Mm. But his he's infectiousness, how he trained, how he prepped for the game. Um, he was, you know, he, he was probably pound for pound the best one because we, we got him for free and he, he stayed at the club and became a great servant for them um, yeah. and, and, and a great leader. So, obviously, there was... I mean that relic that, that season that led up to the Bolton fixture. If you remember, our first group of loan signings in the first half of the season were yeah. doing terrifically well, and yeah. then we drew that game in between Christmas Day and New Year's Day to home to Barnsley at St Andrews. And I remember uh, being in the office after the game, and I think we we're just a couple of points out the playoff positions, and we were planning on, you know, we started planning on the second half of the season, maybe make one, two additions. Yeah, uh, to the squad and put kick on and give ourselves a chance of, you know, outside chance and an unexpected chance of getting into the playoffs because no one gave away a real opportunity because of our situation. Just, and I remember I mean, just... getting, a, I remember getting a phone call off Julia Shelton. Well, I actually got five in the space of about half an hour from her to say, 
this club wants that player back. They, they all had recall options in the loan yeah. deals for one week in January, and they all yeah. called them all back. All so, went back. Just Dan on that, Lingard was that Lingard, Dan, Dan, Dan Burn, and Kyle Bartley, Bartley uh, Jesse Lingard. Um, who else did we have? Aaron McLean. So we had to we had to then we had to then go back into the loan market and the lads I tried to replace them with weren't as effective in the second half of the season as the lads had been in the first half. Talented players like they were, Mia Hughes and Albert Rusnak and yeah. a couple of man the couple of man you boys didn't hit it off at all. They didn't they didn't oh, produce the level of performance. You know, Taylor Blackett and people like that just weren't up to the level. And uh did that did that surprise it, you, Lee? Did did that surprise you when you saw the Man United lads come in and they weren't quite? Were you a little bit, you know, a little bit downhearted, a little bit? I, I was, I was, I was. I, it, not not in terms of that. It just it didn't happen because when you get loan players, it can happen like that. You know, you have some that are. The key for me when you get loan players, and which we tried to do, was they had to come with the mindset that they were like a Birmingham City player. Yeah. And the ones who failed inadvertently always remembered that, oh, well, I'm just at Birmingham as a loan and my parent clubs, Club X, Y or Z. And they yeah. didn't they didn't, they didn't put themselves into that mentality. Whereas they didn't, didn't embrace group, it. Yeah, like yeah. the first group of lads, the Kyle Bartleys and Dan Burns, they were, like, they were absolutely gutted that when they yeah. were having to leave. One, because mm. they probably knew they weren't going to go back to their clubs and play, but two, they'd, they'd, they'd love the place, they'd love the club, the, the size yeah. of it, the facilities, the, the support. They knew if we could have kept everyone together. And, um, you know, so... The game, was, I was going to say, Lee, the game I remember from around that time, it was around, um, you mentioned just around Christmas, during the Bournemouth away game. Obviously, bearing yes. in mind, Bournemouth went on to obviously basically... We won, net, we won, a game. Did we win? Did we won 2-0, didn't we? But we look like a, we look we look like a proper team, and then what? as you said, Bartley goes back, Burn goes back, Lingard goes Lingard. back. I think we had a, yeah. a couple of injuries, and he basically had to rebuild half a team in the space of a few weeks. So when people moan about in the loan signings, just in the second half of the season, couldn't replicate what the lads in the first half of the season done. Yeah, good oh, question, yeah. Dave. Do you do you then think that the the loan market is quite destructive to the game? It can be, but when you were in our position, it was a lifesaver because I wouldn't have been able to get players. I wouldn't have been able to get any new players in. You know, I wouldn't have been able to allow to to try and enhance the squad. Um, come then, and, how come we allowed that clawback clause in 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 the contract to loan them? You know, if you're going to loan somebody, you want them because for the season. because because that was the only way. Sometimes you could get the deal over the line. They, yeah, they're in control. That's the only way. Yeah. The big boys yeah, are in wrong, control. You know, as, as, as fans, like we don't get involved in, in all of this every day. So it's nice to get a perspective on it. Mm. Um, yeah, so it, uh, it, it must have kind of like wiped all the rest of the, the, the team's smiles off the faces as well when all these lads went back. Yeah, it, it was extremely tough. And if you remember as well, that season, um, I lost the two best full-backs in the league. Stephen Carr, good pal of mine, and next team, mate, who was the captain. He never, played a, he never played a league game for us with his injury. Yeah. David Murphy played Murphy. two games for us. We yeah. beat Millwall 4 0 and we beat Chef Wed 4 1. Are the are reverse results the way we yeah. scored eight, if you remember. Saturday yeah, I remember. Tuesday. I remember. Jesse scored the four and then we yeah. played Millwall. They were the only two games David Murphy started that season for us. So I was yeah. going into the. 
you know, people don't really often mention. I had the best left back and best right back in outside the Premier League. Yeah, one played two games for us and one played zero. It wasn't yeah. just them two as well, to be fair, of injury. You had, um, I know Keith Fay, whatever problems he had, he barely yeah. featured for you. Um, Marlon King, I think, did his knee within a few months. But it wasn't yeah. just them. You, you, you're talking there, and you're talking about nearly half a dozen established championship players. You can't even yeah. barely get on the field. And of course, it makes an impact, especially when you've got no money to replace them with as well. I mean, you mentioned obviously, um, you mentioned obviously, remember that season as well, just after the Christmas period, you got rid of the two coaches you had, um, Terry Mack and was it Derek Fazakali? Yeah, um, yeah. Do, do you ever think at that point that you could have maybe got? Somebody he because obviously you replaced them with Alan Thompson and Steve Watson, who you knew anyway. Do you ever look back? Well, and Alan, think maybe Alan, have... Alan, Alan wasn't really a replacement. Alan came in because I pushed, I, I, I um, promoted Richard Beale from under 23 manager to, to first team coach, and Steve became assistant manager. So Alan yeah. took the under 23 role. So, and I was always okay. a big, I was always a big believer. Uh, in, in, in giving academy, everyone in the academy, not just players, coaches as well, a pathway into the first team. So for all the players I give debuts to from the club, I wanted to show the staff that were there as well, who are respected a hell of a lot, because I used yeah. to spend you know a lot of time at night times sitting behind after the first team training sessions had finished in the office uh, and going to watch the, the academy boys train, not just to watch the players, to watch the coaches. And Did you- so... There was did you ever think? Things. Did you ever? Sorry, I was going to ask. Did you ever think though, maybe at that point when we did start to struggle of getting someone in completely fresh from the outside, just have a fresh set of eyes on it? Well, you know, you, the first of all, you, you said that I got rid of Terry and Derek. It wasn't. It was a, like a mutual decision. They, they, they were a world iron. They were a bit. You know, Terry was away from his family quite a bit then, in in a position where, you know, there was a little bit of flack flying around at the time, and so we just decided to to do, freshen things up. I really liked Bailey from the first time I met him. I thought he was a terrific coach and really loyal. Steve was obviously part of me set up anyway, so promoted him. And then uh, there was one or two other positions. So when Alan came in, he needed a bit of help. And Carl Hooper was a young coach in the academy who I, I moved up from um, his position. As, I think he was an under eight, nine coach then. And he came in as an assistant under 23 coach. So... Yeah, listen, but I had Malcolm Crosby around. Like, I brought Malcolm in for the last yeah. four or five games. Malcolm was my head of recruitment. Malcolm had managed in an FA Cup final, being a manager, coach, yeah. done all the jobs. So, decided to to use that. Um, in hindsight, looking back, you know, probably myself, Derek and Terry should have sat down for a longer period. We made the decision too quickly, probably in the heat of the moment after a game on the Saturday when we made the decision on the Sunday. Thrashed everything out a bit more openly and... Uh, just sat tight till the end of the season because no doubt they were a, a huge help to us, you know, they, they'd been part of the success that I'd achieved at Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. Hey, quick question. How, how much control did you have on players coming in and, and going out? I had, I, had a, I had a lot of control. I had, I had yeah. But you, when you mean control in terms of, did I pick them? Yes. But yeah. did I have control in terms of the finances? You were restricted, you know. For example, um, the story is um, a player called Ashley Westwood, who's now with Burnley, a central yeah. midfield player who went, I think, went to Villa in the end. But my first summer um, as That's twice manager, you've sworn today, by the way. Pardon? That's twice you've sworn today. 
<laughs> uh, you can't say and, that B word. <laughs> all right, I'll not, I'll not. And uh, so he was at Crew Alexander at the time. And Swansea City were in the Premier League and Malcolm had a good relationship with the head of recruitment at Swansea at the time. And they got on the phone of us and said, look, we're going to sign the boy Ashley Westwood from Crew, but we don't believe he's ready for the Premier League yet. We'd like to get him into the Championship. Would you be interested? And whatever they were paying him, they were paying him a Premier League wage and offered him us for 5000 a week. And we thought, terrific deal. I liked him. I knew a lot about him. I thought he could have been a good player for us. Uh, in the championship on a season-long loan. Um, and for those figures, he, he fitted into the budget really well. So when I spoke to the the mob in Hong Kong to try and... Uh, to try and sort the deal out, um, <clears throat> I, got, I got the response that there was no funds available. And then half an hour later, I got asked the question by the same people, would I be interested in taking Jorelia Gomez and Jimmy and Jenis on loan from Tottenham? And they were obviously going to cost a lot more than the £5,000 a week Ashley Westwood yeah. was going to cost. The reason Ashley Westwood wasn't at no-go because they didn't know of him because he was from the lower leagues. Yeah. But they knew these two players, even though they were coming to the end of that time, at their football club. Especially J Jimmy and I'd played with Jimmy and picked up a few injuries and which curtailed. But I didn't need Jorelia Gomez. I had Jack Butland, who I was going to give his championship debut to. Why did mm. I want to bring an experienced goalkeeper? So the response to that was, well, just bring him in as your number two. And I, my response back was, how am I going to keep Aurelia Gomez happy as number two at Birmingham? That's why he's kicking <laughs> off at Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> so that just showed you that that's, that showed you when I was trying to deal in the transfer market, some of the uh, hurdles I was coming up against. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's some yeah. things what you have to deal with if if those owners, they can't get a big name in, they don't know someone, and uh, you know, and he's not like a, a high-profile name like Ashley Westwood wasn't at the time, but we knew for a fact that I knew I'd watched him and I knew he was going to be a talented player, and he certainly would have made us a, a better team than we were then. Um, we we couldn't do it, but we could then 25, 30 minutes later go and up pay even like probably quadruple the money I was going to do for Westwood to get those two lads on loan from Spurs. Yeah, and yeah. That followed the pattern of that followed the pattern of every Friday getting a fax from Hong Kong with the team that they wanted us to pick. <laughs> so I used to have so I used to have a lot of fun putting that in the shredder. <laughs> okay, I've got something really important to read out now. If uh, we could just have a, a, a minute and a half of yep. uh, hushty hushty. Um, lovely Brenda Brown sent me uh, a message a little bit earlier and has asked me to read this out. Please read and share. This update on Tommy Plant's funeral. Tommy was a, a young lad who sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago. Hi, everyone. If you haven't already seen our previous post, we are trying to arrange as many cars as possible, modified and not, to follow the funeral cars and make as much noise as we can for Tommy on his final journey this Thursday, the 22nd. If you can make it, please arrive at 11 a.m. at Money Hall Church Car Park B30. 3PS. There will be a bus arriving at 11.30, which will be our queue to start following. So please do not be late or block the roads. There is two huge car parks at the church. Myself and Vinny will make sure we are the first ones there to greet everyone and to answer any further questions. But please remain in your vehicles to comply, comply with COVID rules. 
on the journey, please feel free to pop, bang, honk your horn as much as you wish, but I'm sure it goes without saying, no burnouts allowed and drive sensible at all times. Unfortunately, due to COVID rules, we will not be able to enter the cemetery. So once we arrive at Lodge Hill, we will continue past, just continue to follow the shark, the shark car and make as much noise as we can for our final goodbye. If you're able to make it, please send us a message so we can figure out numbers as we also have a small surprise for Tommy and the plant family. We need all your help. Thank you with all our love. GLA Autos Limited. There you go. Mm. Tommy Blunt. Yeah, yeah. Always, um, always, do, always um, incredibly sad when these things happen, you know, and especially, especially when it's a young child like that. It's such a young, such a young age. Got like the goosebumps are all over me, mate. Honestly, I promise you. So, Ouch. so tragic. So tragic. Um, really. yeah. Thanks for your time on that one, gents. No problem, mate. No problem. Uh, I'm sure we've got you, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots coming in on the shout box. But there's a couple of years. Uh, Gaynor Robinson Lee, you're a really nice guy. I had the pleasure of meeting you at one of the Birmingham City Disabled Xmas parties. Um, Graham Haynes wants to know is Lee uh, back on Ziggy's Christmas card list? <laughs> 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 Top bloke Lee. Yeah, oh, man, man. There's some, so many, so many, so many. There's hundreds and hundreds of comments coming in. Um, Right, okay, always a blue forever, a blue little man, rest in peace, keep right on, blues players, first pump from us all. Right, there's another question that's been burning me all week. Now, I want, my, I want everybody's view on this, right, because I'm not really a controversial character, right? Um, right, well, no, I'll tell you what I'll do, I'll put it straight. Taking the knee before a football game. Taking the knee before a football game. Ronnie, I love you. Bixing, I love you. You, you, you. you know what, there's so many. There's so many lovely people. I don't care what your colour is. But I don't get why we are asking footballers to go down on one knee. I've got me original 1990 shirt in there. I kick racism out of football. I'm not a racist. I don't care what colour your skin is. Well, I don't I just... care... But what I don't want is I don't want it. I don't. I actually, Lee, I tell you what I do. Right, the second that comes on on a live game, I turn round. There you go. Well, I think my ex-teammate and friend of mine, Les Ferdinand, yeah. said the right things when his club was accused of uh, in one of the first live games of the new season when they didn't take the knee. I think was it was it against you guys? No, no, Coventry, it, wasn't. it was Coventry and um, oh, oh yeah, Coventry at St Andrews was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so, and, and Les come out and said, you know, that was good. It, it, it emphasised it at the start of the campaign. But actions have to speak louder than words and there has to be things done for it. Absolutely. And the knee is, isn't enough and, and, and isn't making the impact that it should be now. So, you know, there has to be a real um, surge from everybody. And like you rightly said, you know, thinking that you've done enough because you take the knee before a football game. It's not even scratching the surface. There's no. there's far more to be done than that. And, uh, you know, for, there's been too much made of it, whether clubs do it or whether they don't. It's 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 getting stronger uh, actions done and, 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 you know, just educating people. And, and yeah. I can't believe we're in, I can't believe we're in 2020 and we're, this, this is getting out of control like this. It goes because beyond football, doesn't it? It does. It does. And it's, um, 
it's 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 never come into the equation for me in terms of anything in terms of me me friends me me teammates the players I've signed and etc. It, it it just doesn't even come into me thinking one little bit at all. Mm. Did you experience much of it as a player? One one second, Paul. There's lots of comments coming in on this, and Ray's just come up. The problem, Nick, is racism is out there. It needs more than the knee. Forget the knee, right? Let's do something really positive about it, right? We're a multicultural city. We have Indians, Sikhs, Blacks, Muslims, English people. God, we're owned by bloody Chinese, for Christ's sake. I mean, whoa, it just makes me so, 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 so mad that, Mm. that... you know, oh, no, no, you know what I've said too much already. Probably, sorry, Paul. Crack on. No, I was just going to say, Lee. When in your playing days, did you, you know, did you experience much on the, you know, in, in any games that you played in? I know not you personally, but obviously any any of your teammates. Mm. Uh, no, there was just one towards the end. There was an incident um, with an ex-teammate of mine, Emre, the little Turkish midfield player. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, I remember uh, it. yeah. I think it was an incident at Everton. I think. Which uh, went through all the FA channels, um, and he came. He got found not guilty, but you know there was a reaction from our one of our opponents that would be very strange if if that was the case. I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I would just think it would be so small minded um, for Weird. for that to happen. And and, and you know, it's when I was growing up watching the football in the eighties, um, and and it, and it was it was some really poor things happening then. People, it was horrible. Like, people like John Barnes yeah. and people like yeah. that. Yeah. Some of the things that were say John Barnes, yeah. It was just, uh, I just, I, I, I don't get it, honestly. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't work it out. I can't um, get it through my head why people no. would be like that in, in any world no. life. Um, so I just, yeah. I, I don't get it at all, you know. Well, I can tell you now, every single one of the black you, players I revere, if you've got that badge on your shirt, mate, that's all I care about. I don't care whether you, I don't care about anything else. It's a badge. You, you play for the badge. We'll yeah. remember the name. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But I think, I think, I think, I think. Forget about you know your your allegiance to your football club. I think, like you've just said, you're living in a city that's so multicultural. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you you see people on the street. It's it's not an issue. It's you know, everyone's the same mm. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, mm. Lee. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've you've worked inside football, and there's been obviously a lot of um. Obviously, there's been a lot of claims in the past where they've said there's been institutional racism, where obviously uh, maybe black or ethnic minority players haven't had coaching opportunities, or even coaching, or even opportunities higher up at clubs in terms of boardroom level, management level. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed any inherent sort of discrimination? I've got to say, probably ignorantly no. But then when it gets pointed out to you, and you look at it. it, it you know, the diversity of boardrooms or, you know, um, select committees of, you know, the different uh, governing bodies, uh, stakeholders in the game, and you see that it's, it's there's not a great ratio, is there? Um, no. I think no. what we, what we kind of push is that, um, you know, sometimes it, it goes the other way when they say, well, we don't get a chance at, at, at a high level. But, you know, it's, it doesn't matter what level. If I get, you've got to give them chances, and just like uh, any other head coach or manager, majority of them have to start at the bottom. There's only a select few who get given that really big job at the first job of their career, isn't it? So the, yeah. the rest of the guys really have to 
um, you know, get get the get that experience in the lower leagues and uh, and, and ho- hoping that they can try and catch someone's eye with the work they do at, at clubs lower down, you know, and get that chance. I mean, it was a spell a spell of about seven, eight, nine years ago where it was going around that a British coach, whether it be white or black or whatever was only going to get a job in the Premier League if they got a team promoted into the Premier League yeah. because it seemed to be that, um, you know, the in thing at that time was to, to go for a foreign manager. So the, the, the British mm-hmm. lads were thinking, you know, the, the way we're going to have to be a Premier League manager is by taking a team up. Now, you know, that's changed as well because, you know, there's clubs took chances there now. Um, but there's not going to be many Mikel Arteta's out there where their first job's going to be in Arsenal. You're going to have no. to start maybe... At League Two, at League One, and it will be difficult, you know, when you go down to them levels. Certainly, with what you've experienced, if you played at the top level, is completely different. But if you can show people in different ways that you can manage, you know, an ex player of mine at Huddersfield, Michael Flynn, now manager at Newport, doing mm, a fantastic job, yeah, doing an absolutely yeah. brilliant job at Newport on on very limited resources. A big surprise for me is an ex-teammate of mine, Tommy Wright, who'd done a brilliant job up in Scotland at St. Johnson for many, Johnson. many years on a on a ridiculously low budget. Won the cup for them three years ago, you know, in in, in a league that's dominated by the the two big boys and potentially Aberdeen, you know. So, you've just got to make sure that you get down there and you you, you catch the attention. You you know, you've got to realise when you get to that level, it's very difficult where you'll pick up a high win percentage or you'll do this with a player, you'll do that or whatever. And, um, you know, because you're, you're dealing in a, a far different environment, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that, so I'd like to think that, obviously, once fans can go back into grounds, that these low lives who do revert to racism, well, it will take a back, hopefully it'll take a back seat in their mind because they'll just be that grateful to be back at the football again, surely? I, I totally hope and agree with you. I think that would be um, a real positive to take from this negative at the moment of not being able yeah. to get fans in the stadiums. Yeah. Because um, I think what, what what you will get now with supporters and what's happened with football, the, 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 the two or three positives that are coming out of this awful pandemic that we're in and we've been in yeah. is one, uh, the football world's had to come into the real world with yeah. the exception of the Premier yeah. League, the teams yeah, outside of the Premier League are having to in, in, uh, come into the real world in terms of where we are financially. So, you know, the clubs outside of the Prem, Premier League and potentially a championship, certainly League One and League Two, realism's coming into the to the wages and the salary brackets at that level. And the agents are having to become more realistic. Mm. But also, as you say, the realism for the supporters because they've, they've missed it at... I've got to say, I don't know how I would have coped as a player or even a manager. The adrenaline rush, that's why yeah. I went into management. Because once I knew my time was finished as a player, that adrenaline rush that I'd had from all my life every Saturday afternoon or whenever the game kicked off, how to replace that. And I don't know how I could have handled um, playing in a, a real competitive game, i.e. a Premier League game or an FA Cup tie. And there's nobody in the ground. I, I've got to say, I would. I don't know. I don't know how I would be able to, to to do it. Not that I wouldn't be professional. Just I'd love that adrenaline rush of playing in front of the supporters. That was the most. Yeah. I'm going to turn yeah. that on its head. I'm going to turn that on its head. Right? Do you know what? It's exactly the same for us in, as supporters in reverse. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Really, really, yeah. really. Is. It's yeah. it's it's just oh, watching the game. <laughs> 
like somebody somebody said that you know every 10 minutes i just you know every 10 minutes or so just spurt out the crowd singing keep right on over yeah. the speak over the tannoys you know and this one from anthony garvey is not blues related but a really interesting question how good was Gazza at Newcastle and was he the best player you ever played with? Paul was, um, for me, uh, after 1990 World Cup and bef- went before the FA Cup final when he'd done his knee, before he was meant to go to Lazio originally the first time, was on the verge of becoming the best player in the world. Yeah. yeah. Without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. That injury had so many things for him. Uh, an example of how good he was at Newcastle, he broke into the team as an 18-year-old. And one of his first games was against a real tough midfield at Manchester United of Brian Robson, who was the current England captain at the time. And um, Remy Moses, Remy Moses. Who, was, who was a really tough, tough player. Was that, when he, patted Remy, was that when he passed Remy Moses' afro after going yeah, past him? Yeah, and, he, <laughs> and, he, and he, he, absolutely, he absolutely obliterated Brian Robson and Remy Moses in that game. And I think um, that put him on the map, and it was, it was his, it was his character as well. He was, he, he wasn't just such an unbelievable player. It was his infectious character? I mean, being around him, you couldn't relax. You know, later on, I got a chance to be alongside him when I got in the England squad with him at the Tormo as well. And mm. you know, he got older, but he hadn't got any uh, sensible. More sensible. He, in fact, he probably got crazier. So, um, you know, <laughs> he just just a, a, a special lad who was very generous, an unbelievable talent. Uh, who I wish, you know, towards the end of his career and when it finished, hadn't happened what had happened because you surely he had something to give back to to football in terms of even coaching youngsters or being an example of you know demonstrating techniques, passing techniques, free kicks, this dribbling skills would have been unbelievable. And I'm totally convinced that day in the cup final um, changed everything. He still went on to do brilliant things. He still loved in Lazio and in Rome. He's still, he's adored up in Scotland. Wow. I mean, Glasgow Rangers, he's he's just the God up there. I mean, and you know, wherever he's been, if you speak to everybody, I mean, you know, you listen to Gareth Southgate last week during international duty when there was um, quotes that uh, Mr Grealish was going to be the, the current uh, group <laughs> Gaza was the current was the current group Gaza and even Gareth Southgate says you're, you're totally unfair you're unjust. I, I, Gareth Southgate said I played with Gas Paul Gascoigne. You can't compare any England international to him because he was. He was a he was one of the world's oh, best that day that that World Cup in nineteen ninety he was taking oh. on all comers. Well, World Cup ninety six yeah. as well. The, the Euro ninety six that goal against Scotland. I mean, that yeah, is yeah. probably in, my favourite England moment in my life so much. And you, and, and you can probably see in nineteen ninety six his his star was waving a bit. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the Paul of yeah. six years yeah. ago because of various yeah. different things in his career. Yeah, but he was still phenomenal and. That was yeah. the difference, oh, you know. Right, he... oh, just, just, just on someone... from uh, John Donahoe, I sent Lee a thank you card when he took over at Blackpool because I loved his passion, and the stick he took was shocking at Blues. But listen to how he's explained things just now. I said at the time the loans blew our season. Bless Tommy and his family. Keep right on. Just, um, <coughs> yeah, yeah. Got a few. Just... Um, we got a few questions from our fans, Lee. That I'll put no, out you there in the world. Um, no, you haven't. Okay. You've got 57. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm not going to ask you 57. I'm going to pick a few out. Um, so Craig Courtney's asking, <laughs> this is a tough one for you, actually, so I don't mean to put you on the spot, but in terms of fans, who is more passionate, Brummies or Geordies? Oh! oh. oh. No, it's a good question. question. Listen, you watch him go blank. Watch him go black now and, and, and like, lose his connection all of a sudden. Come on, Lee, you look a bit nervous. <laughs> it's, very, it's, very, it's very similar. Before what I would say, what I would say because of um, what's happened over such a long period of time for the for the Blues fans, it's it's been a tough time and they've never wavered um, in terms of that, that, that the support of the team. Yeah, I think it's it's so very yeah. similar. That's that's why you know. Hey, listen. And, I, and I've never been frightened to admit this. The day I lost my job when Julia Shelton, um, you know, asked us to come down to the stadium, I shed many tears when I took that letter because I was losing the job I loved being in. It was it tough? It was very, very tough. But I loved yeah. it. You know, mm. I was ho- I was hoping I was going to be the man to be able to turn it round and get the club where it should be and where the fans deserve to be. So yeah. when I lost that job, it was, and that's the passion I had for it. And you know. I, I'm, I'm a black and white, but and I love that club as well. But when I was when I was it, you know, it, it Birmingham City, that that was you know a tough 24 hours. Um, you know, when mm. I left that position, and you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I shed tears. You know, when um, that decision was made, um, and, and and it was a real tough time. Mm. Was, it tough to, was it was it was it tough to play for Sunderland as well? Yeah. Do you know what? It was, it was, um, I was just one of them lads. Yeah. That was probably one of my assets. I just give everything. Yeah. I give everything of what I do. And if, if it hasn't been good enough, as long as I can look myself in the mirror and say, I've tried to give everything there for whoever you are. And I went there. I never got any stick off the Newcastle fans. I used to go back and watch them quite regular. Still lived in the city. Um, and, and the good thing for me, I hit the ground running as a Sunderland player the two years. Uh, the two years I was there, I got player of the year. And yeah. So, you know, yeah. it was just doing the job. I, I, the manager convinced us, Peter Reid, he was a big, he played a big part in his going to the club. So, and we had two yeah. great years. We had some great players. I played with some great lads, great yeah. camaraderie. And uh, so, and you move on. Yeah. yeah. You know what, 1973, have a guess what my first game was? FA Cup final. Nope, Birmingham <laughs> City versus Newcastle. Was it at 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 St Andrews? At St Andrews, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that eighteen ninety three? So, uh, I'm, 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. A few people. Oh, a few people sorry, as mentioning a few people as well are asking the question about uh, a certain player um, <laughs> urinating in your fish pond in your back garden. Yeah, this is a, this is an absolute belt, hasn't it? This was uh, this was doing the social media rumor mill um, on one of the times where. Ravel didn't start one of the games. He was on the bench, I think, for a game or two. And uh, I wasn't on social media, but the media team and, and my son got got to show us the message. And uh, apparently I'd had a party back at my house and invited all the players. And uh, I caught uh, Ravel Morrison urinating in my uh, fish pond in my garden. <laughs> One, I didn't have a fish pond. <laughs> two, two... Uh, you know, I, I, I had great family life down there. My family came and lived with us in Birmingham. I, I, I got, I made great friends and where I lived. So we had a great, a great social time. But never, and, and my staff used to come to the house with our partners regularly for a bite and eat and a drink. 
but never once did the players turn up and certainly <laughs> that was never the case. So <laughs> just just unravel so though. was a lie then. Just <laughs> just on yeah. just unravel though. Um, we'll, talk, we'll talk about Gaza um a few minutes ago. Was Ravel similar to Gaza in a way, in terms of how you had to obviously deal with him as a part well, of the sort of there's a, a famous story, isn't that, <clears> where um the, the the team had been in before they came out onto the grass. They'd been in the gym doing their strength and conditioning with Nick Davis, and uh, the strength and conditioning sports scientist guy who was different class for me. And they were in there, and, and as they came out onto the grass to do the warm up to get ready for the main session, he just pointed out that Rav hadn't made it into the gym, and then Rav come running past us. So. <clears throat> as um, as he came past, I just said, Rav, you need to go in the gym and do do your strength and conditioning before you come out. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm not allowed to train. I says, well, you are, but you have to go and do your half an hour session in there first, so you'll miss some of the ball session. So he decided to say he was, he was going in and he, he was going to speak to his agent and all that, so he stormed off. We got on with the session, and when I went back into the training ground and went upstairs, me, me PA, Rita, she uh, pointed out that Rav was already in the office waiting for us. So when I went in, he had his his sad puppy dog eyes on and his head was down and he apologised. So when I just tried to explain what it was for and he, what he basically explained was he wasn't very good at the weight circus, circuit and he used to get embarrassed doing it in front of the players. And I says, well, explain that to me and the staff and we'll, we'll do an individual programme. We're not here to embarrass people. We want you to improve in all aspects of being a footballer and that's not just with the ball because if I'd have said there was a training session with the ball and it lasted five hours, Rav would have been there the whole five hours. Yeah. But when he was in the office and I was trying to explain to him, you know, the talent he had, and I said, listen, you're probably the best player I've seen and the the, the, the one few current midfield players in the game who's as good as uh, Gaza. And he, I've seen him look at us quite blank and he said to us, who's Gaza? <laughs> so then I had oh, to no. say, then I, was taking it, then I was taking it back, so I had to say Paul Gascoigne. And he says, yes, Gaffer, but who's Paul Gascoigne? <laughs> okay. And, and then another another example of Rav, and you know he was harmless. He did get himself into trouble. Did he mix with the right people off the field from where he was from? Probably not. No. Were they good? Were they good for his career? No. I see him. I, I, it breaks me heart when I see him going to some of these clubs. He become a journeyman when you ha- see the ability he has. Um, if you remember, we played Middlesbrough when your current manager or Karanka was manager of Middlesbrough. We played them in a Friday night game. Yeah, at St Andrews live on Sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we trained. We trained at Wast Hills on the Thursday before the game. We'd done some tactical work. It wasn't a heavy session, um, because we wanted a, the team to be fresh for the Friday. And I remember going into the staff changing room later on that night. It was about five thirty, six o'clock on the Thursday night. Players had been and gone for hours. They'd had their lunch and were gone. And I could hear. Um, I could hear some noise coming from the first team dressing room. So I was wondering, well, that's strange. So I went in and there was Rav and about five or six of his mates all taking uh, in, in, in the showers and that getting washed up. And I was like, Rav, what are you doing? Where you been? He says, oh, gaffer, I've just been playing up on the top pitches, the academy pitches with me mates, two pots in, you know, two goals <laughs> and then whoever wins. And so yeah. he'd been up there running around for four or five hours. When we've tried to just do the session, he needs to just get rested up. But he didn't think it was anything bad, and I was trying to explain to him, "You've got a big game tomorrow night against Middlesbrough. You've been on the you've been on the grass for six, seven hours now." And that was just him <laughs> as a boy, you know. 
you could, um, I could have, I, I could have, I could have stood there and given me, give me telling off and said unacceptable. But then when I, when I was thinking about it, when I was speaking to them, I'm thinking, well, at least it keeps them off, <laughs> keeps yeah, them yeah. out the newspaper, so doing dodgy <laughs> things. So at least I know where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what sticks in so, my mind there is Crystal Palace away. Crystal Palace away when we oh, beat them. Was it four 0 What a night! Yeah, four 0 yeah. What a result! Shane, yeah, uh, Shane, Morrison. Shane Ferguson free kick. Yeah, oh, Rav, 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 we're on fire Nathan, that day. Rav, Rav, Nathan Redmond, Shane Ferguson were on fire yeah. that night. I mean, um, yeah. they ended up getting promoted that season. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. I just read Jack Butland's quotes when he went to Palace the other day, and they must ask him had he had any experiences of Sellers Park, and he brought that game up on the Friday night. We we absolutely blew them away. We were outstanding on the night, and it was. Well, we uh, could have had, we could have had six or seven coming with that day. I think that was the period when we had a little bit of a problem with strikers. I think Ziggy was out injured, uh, Marlon King, Peter Lovencrads mm. were all out. We ended up, what a little spell where I played Rav and uh, Nathan Redmond up the top and they were absolutely yeah. sensational. I remember going to Ellen oh, Roy and they were sensational. They just didn't yeah. have that natural instinct to score. And I think they had about five one-on-ones in the game and the, the combination players they were playing was just... And obviously the team knew they had speed that could go down the sides, but we couldn't play any long balls up to them. Yeah. So yeah. the passing movements that we had, and it was just yeah. a shame that, Phenomenal that one game of was. them just didn't have a little bit more of a natural instinct to finish up this, because we were making numerous chances. I loved it. In fact, when the, fit, the strikers come, became fit, I was quite tempted to stick with the two of them because I was enjoying yeah. watching them play. But obviously you needed a focal point up there, you know? So mm. Yeah. <laughs> going, going, going back to um, going back to your blues, blues days, Lee. I know a lot of people have asked this, but can you just give us your view on what happened with the big Ziggich? Because I'll be dying to ask you. <laughs> well, nothing. We had a great relationship. It was just uh, I'd come, you know, this had been going on for a few weeks. What Ziggy was, Ziggy was that good, and he knew he, he could be that. Um, when he fancied it and he was up for it, he, be, he was yeah. unplayable. But when there was days when he wasn't, yeah. um, mm. and, and this and this applied on the training ground as well, it became quite frustrating, and it did for the players. But he was a harmless guy. He was so this this had been a continuation of me speaking to him, saying, you know, we need you at it every day. You're a you're, you're a senior pro. You're an example for your own benefit as well to keep your eye in. And um, yeah. you know, it just and we tell them before I went out into the media. I called them, um, you know. The senior team, the players who I had, is uh, they they had their own group that mm. you know went together and, and and sorted things out for me. So I didn't always have to be in the dressing room if things were going wrong. They would rectify it, mm. and I asked their opinions, and they were supportive. So when I went out into the media, this wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction. And obviously, people will make a, uh, an assumption that it is because it's the first time I've brought it up. But this was this was over a period of three, four, five weeks, you know. This wasn't mm. just one training session. And I thought mm. this was the time to do it, but it never affected our relationship. It was funny the, because um, it was, when he used to come and see me, he would sit down, but I used to have to stand up, so I was on the same sort of height <laughs> level as him. With this, with listen, this, this is three sides to every story, yeah? There's some, some of the things, there's, some of the things. There's is, the Ziggit side, there's the Lee Clark side, and there's the social media side. Absolutely. Mm. And, and, and listen, and Ziggy would tell you that exactly the same. And 
the, you know, he, he was, listen, I, I, I liked him. There was no problems. I see when, you know, when his contract ran out and he lived in the same part of the, the, the city as me. So I seen him after that when he left the club. And I know then Gary brought him back for a little spell. This, that's life. That there was no, I never, ever made a decision signed or got rid of a player for personal reasons. Mm. I've done it whether I thought, you know, we couldn't keep Ziggy at the football club. Every every window, I was getting advised that we had to move him on and, and it just mm. wasn't happening. Do I, do I blame Ziggy for that? Of course I don't. Any yeah. man in the right mind getting off of that contract over that period of time, snap their hands off and rightly so. It was the, it's the people who were give, giving those contracts out without the clauses in should be held yeah. accountable, no, not the player. And because of the predicament we, we were in, it meant I had to sell the young players I wanted to build the club around, the Jack yeah. Butlins and the Nathan Redmonds. And we, mm. we couldn't get a, we couldn't get to the level where we wanted to be and make sure they would stay as well. So, you know, Lee, inevitably well, yeah. I had to lose the players. Lee, with, with, the money, Lee, with the money he was on, was there, was there, any, any, was there any ever resentment between him and say, a lot of the other players who'd have been like a fraction? Of the wages he was, was there ever, ever any problems as a Never. result of that? Never. Not that not that I've witnessed. <coughs> He's very popular. He's popular in yeah. the dressing room. Um after that Bolton game, um he, he delightfully dipped into his uh, wage packet and bought all the beers on the way home. So <laughs> but he, he, he even even then he bought the cheap ones. He didn't even buy the expensive bargains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kieran Moore says, Thank you for bolting away, Lee. Lifetime memory. I watch the video blues fans all the time. Yeah. Uh, keep right on. And Craig Masters says, What was the message you gave to the players in the dressing room before that Bolton game? Um just Go out and, and 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 fight and give everything. I didn't say too much, to be honest with you. I yep. said probably more at the end of the game. There'd been enough talking. Sometimes words don't matter. Do the the, 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 no. the seriousness and the the size of the occasion. Everyone knew. I could I could, I sensed it. So sometimes when you're in a dressing room, you sense things and you can over. When you go in as an a manager and you just sometimes talk for talk and sake, it doesn't have the right impact. And um, you know, I could sense the steeliness. The players were motivated. There was a focus. They knew this was last chance saloon. Um, do you know what I haven't mentioned as well when we talk about that time? Because I've had lots of questions since about, oh, you, you must have went out and celebrated that night. I was so mentally and physically drained after yeah. that game. Yeah. I went out for dinner with my family. And we had to, we didn't even get to the main course and I had asked them if we could go home. I was so tired and I just went straight to them and, and, and to sleep because it physically and mentally had just drained drained so much out of us. Um, you know what? Wow. Not, re- wow. not, re- oh. not realising, not realising as well. You think they're all right and you think I'll go out and have a good good Saturday night with the family. But oh, it just... It was a, it was... If, if earnestly, I remember yeah. I had a Saturday night out for about 10 people, so don't worry about that. There's plenty of people who had a Saturday night out. <laughs> plenty of people had a Saturday night out on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, we, um, just, we, just, we just came back in the car and like I say, we were just, me and my mates came back in the car and we were just shattered just watching it. It was just, yeah. It was just, well, can't put it to words. Like I say, it was like as if we'd won something. Yeah. You know, it was like just, I, said, yeah. it was, I said before the show started earlier, right? I didn't get a ticket for that game. Um, so I turned my phone off, I turned the TV off, the radios off, computers off, everything turned off, and I actually went to bed because I just couldn't stand the thought 
of dropping down that division. I just, it was just, it was just off the scale. And then yeah. I woke up and my son Luke rang me up. He says, did you hear about the game, dad? And of course he'd got no joy in his voice at all. And I said, oh no, mate, please don't, please don't, please, please, please don't tell me, please don't tell me. And he says, yeah, they went two and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And then when he said, and Caddy scored at the end, like, and we've stayed up, man, I was just like, well, I used to be able to stand on my head as a child. I, I can't do it now. But I was <laughs> and um, and uh, my granddaughter was on, on the opposite chair and I'm sitting in the chair here, literally tears running down my face, like tears. And I mean this, I absolutely mean this. And she said, what's up? And I said, it's football. It's Birmingham City. It's football. Do you know why as well, you know, we talk about who's going into the crowd? Because ultimately, I've been lucky to have been a player and a manager. But I'm, Did you get I'm done for that, fan. by the way? I'm just a fan at heart. I get done for it. Yeah, I'm did you get done for it? Yeah, yes, I think if, if I think if that had done anything, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, by the way, with some of the things that they've done in the past. But if they had done us that day, that would have been absolutely ridiculous, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, uh, don't stifle the manager from showing his emotion, whatever you do. No, no. I think Paul Caddy's, Paul Caddy's actually said, didn't he? It was the only heady goal. He thinks he ever scored at the time. He said it was the first Eddie goal he'd ever scored. But somebody yeah. asked that question earlier, Paul. Yeah. When, yeah. when was his last Eddie goal? And I, I can't remember one. Well, you don't you don't score many when you're five foot, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he did jump six foot in the air to get it. Listen, <laughs> listen I still obviously I signed Paul later down the line when I was at Berry, and I, I still keep in touch with him. And you know, great, great lad. He was just, he was I think he was probably the only I think he was the only player I was a oh no. Uh, David Davis after we sold Big Tom Adeyemi they were the only two players I was allowed to spend the transfer fee on because I really wanted Paul Caddis and we spent a little one through was it Swindon to get him and then um, yeah. obviously David came from Wolves after because Tom left on, on the morning of the first game didn't he of the new season um, so I'd say well, David Davis pound for pound one of your best signings obviously yeah. 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 Listen, we've got a message from Wendy Mills. Wendy Mills says, um, Lee, my dad sat in your chair on our tour of the ground, but he said he'd leave the job to you. He's been a blue nose for 71 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's superb, isn't it? Uh, Tony, so, um, I can't see the name, sorry. Tony, um, my laptop, I need a new, I need a new iPad. I need a new iPad. Um, yeah, Shane Goff, I remember Lee jumping into a bunch of Peaky Blinders. <laughs> 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 uh, but again, I was saying like before the show, it was we have our iconic moments, you know, like the Lane and Daft, the mm. auto windscreens with Tatey with a shirt, um, the, the, the penalty at Norwich against, against Norwich taking the Premier League, the relegations, and 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 that's up there. It's right up there with all those all those yeah. you know, moments that like people can look back on over. I mean. As fans, it's like a career to us as well, yeah? <laughs> do you get what I'm saying, Mark? Do you get what, do you get what I'm yeah, saying, it's like a contract. Oh, yeah, it? absolutely. It is, yeah. It's like a career, you know? <laughs> and everybody knows the old adage, you can change your wife, change your house, change your car. You can never, ever, ever properly change your football team. Not ever, not mm -hmm. ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tony Sewell says this is a brilliant listen. Um, Birmingham City, Blackpool and Bury doesn't get much tougher than that, says Craig Busters. No, I probably, <laughs> probably agree with you. Uh, Brenda Brown says, tell Lee I struggled to see 
oh god, why is it when you when you start reading some it, like it flicks off the screen. Totally, I struggled to see who it was at first. No, you're right, Paul. You crack on. Oh, so I was just going to help you out. Tell Leo struggled. Tell Leo struggled to see who it was at first. His his looks has changed, but but still very good looking. I think she's trying to say. <laughs> Brenda's on the pool. Yeah. Brenda's on the pool. <laughs> Lee, one thing one thing that does stick out for quite a few people. Um, it does get brought up, Stephen. Now from time to time, a few games before that Bolton game, um, we played Blackburn at home. And you made a lot of changes to the team, and the team lineup, should we say, was unconventional looking. And to be honest, even now, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be really straight. I think obviously the team selection was went a bit awry. What do you remember the game? Obviously, we went four 0 down after about yeah. half an hour or so. What was the thinking behind that team selection? Because it's still now it goes down. Not much, so much in folklore, but as a stuff that people just want to put behind them. It does get brought up for quite a bit. Um. I don't know. I remember the result. Reminders, I know Taylor Black. Did we have in midfield? Day, if it, you uh, had like Howard, Howard wide left yeah. and then Lovenkranz, I think, was going through the up front. But he, he basically, yeah. the, you, you think you think he came out in the media at the time and said, I wanted to put five right-footers and five left-footers on just to give the team a bit of balance. But was there any other particular thinking behind? Because it was a lot of changes from what had happened previously. It obviously backfired pretty quickly that game because we went 4 nil down after 20 minutes. Oh, it was horrendous. I remember it. Yeah, mm. it was... Um... Rudy Gested absolutely murdered with, didn't he? Everything yeah. he touched. Um, no, I mean, I think, I think I've tried to. I remember the result. I remember the game because it was horrendous. And what I tried to do, as well, leading up to the game, because obviously I was trying everything to try and change the home form. We actually stayed in a hotel yeah. overnight in the city centre. Went for a walk around the city centre, tried to get a feel of the support, bumping a few of the supporters. I was, and then obviously that team. Um, you know, Paul. There was a lot of things said about Paul playing midfield, but Paul was Paul started off as a central midfield yeah. player, and he was just doing lots of good things. And I felt he was probably going to be more beneficial in that role for us at the time. A lot of energy. I, honestly, I can't. When you go on about the the team, all I can remember about that was Taylor Blackett played centre back, he, and he he just had one of those games that was just yeah not not one that you remember as a player. So. And I, he had a few. He had, he had a few of blues. I can't, I, can't, I, yeah. I can't remember a lot, lot about the rest of it. I've got to say. Yeah. What, yeah. Going back to. Line, um, can you remember the lineup? Yeah, you would think I could. I could have a go. It was Randolph. I think it went Randolph Pack with Thor Blackett. Oh, who would have been at left back? Callum Riley would have been at left back. I think. Then he went Burke, Caddis, Howard, Lovenkranz, Makeda, and Ibe. I, I, oh yeah, that's that's a that's a guess it. But he, I just remember there was a lot of changes because I think Robert had been sent off the Saturday at Forest, and I think obviously that meant he was suspended. So, or yeah, so we just I mean there was a lot of change, but he just obviously that was one that does get brought up now quite a bit as a team selection. And I just wondered if you had any particular thoughts. You know, it. It, hey, listen, since I've become a fan again, I'm I'm an armchair fan. I haven't got managers for the team, <laughs> and. Uh, but you know, when you're in the firing line and you're not getting results, it's easy. It's, I think it's yeah. sometimes easy for fans to say, well, can we not just keep the same team for five or six games? But if you're there as a manager and you're not getting results and you've got other players, yeah, they're thinking, mm. sometimes if you're saying to a player, your chance will come and then you're not getting a run of results and you don't put them in, he's thinking, one, you're, a, you're full of BS and two, <laughs> you're never going to get a chance. And when you're not a consistent yeah. team, when you're not a consistent team, hey, listen, as a manager, you'd love to be picking the same team every week because you're yeah. getting results. 
Mm. And if you're on yeah. a good run, even if you have the odd blip, blip you know, obviously continue to um, pick the same team. Listen, when you're playing for a big club, when you're playing for a big club like Birmingham, you, you, you can't just be a good player. You've got to be a strong character. Because yeah. right and sure, there's high expectations. And, um, you know, sometimes some of the players, you know, weren't that. That's why, I, that's why I, a lot of the time when there's a lot of the games, I would prefer to go with the younger players from the academy because they were born and bred blue noses. Yeah, so they I mean. had that fighting spirit. And yeah, they, they lacked the experience and they would be naive and they might make mistakes. But they mm. had that relationship with you guys on the terraces. You had that relationship yeah. going back to them. And it, it worked for us in so many ways. You know, a lot of them lads <laughs> since they've left Birmingham haven't had brilliant careers, but they played in the championship for the hometown club. Others have went on and had fantastic. Young Damari's a Premier League winner, you know, obviously not getting his game at Leicester now, but, you know, made himself, you know, a great career. Um, other players that have, have, have done it, obviously Nathan and, and Jack. Um, yeah. You know, and and there's, there's been other lads who've had terrific careers. So, you know, that it's, as a manager, You'd love to be able to pick the same team most most games. You'd love to go through the season and have seven or eight players who played all forty six games without a doubt. Mm. I know it's not your era, Lee, um, but we had Robbie Savage on a few weeks ago. Um, by the time, uh, I mean, I think a lot of our supporters wanted to lynch him, to be honest with you. But by the time he'd explained his side of the situation and his side of the story, because, like I say, there are always three sides to every story. <laughs> he was he given and what all he wanted to do, right, was basically when we're all back as supporters, walk onto the centre circle, turn around and clap every single Birmingham City fan. And within three minutes it was arranged. That's on that was on this show, it was arranged, yeah. And um cut long story short, would you want to come back to blues and do the same? Without a doubt, listen. I've, oh, stop, man. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the reception. I would guess what a bloke! Would, what a bloke! Would, I, I think that, 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 that question came in from Nathan Cartwright. When fans are allowed back, would you visit us and watch your stand at St Andrews? Absolutely. Come down for a day. We'll all meet up with you. We'll have a beer. Uh, I'll come as the fan, <coughs> and then I'll slag, I'll slag whoever the manager of <laughs> <laughs> I just know we're not playing Newcastle in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll slag Brucey off as well, because that's what I've seen. Yeah, but within minutes, within, 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 literally within minutes, I said, well, OK, we'll see what we can do for you. And within minutes, Paul Devlin was listening to the show, and um, he messaged, messaged into the show, and, um, and within minutes, it was organised and sorted. So yeah, 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 yeah. Robbie Savage is going to come back and applaud the blue blue noses. Brilliant. Qu- question from me, Lee, if I may. Who's the best player you've ever played with and managed? So two separate players, obviously. During your playing career, who was the best player you ever played with? And who was the best player during your managerial career so far that you've ever managed? Um, best player I played with, it, it, it's down to two and and probably because he was my hero when I grew up and I was lucky enough to play alongside him was Peter Beardsley. Oh, what, what a player. What a player. Yeah. You're talking about, when they talk about the number 10 rule, now they talk about players. He made the number 10 rule his own before the number 10 rule had been invented. Yeah. Remember what he'd done for Linux and that World Cup. But if you look, yeah. what he used to do for the strikers when I played alongside him, I mean, him and Andy Cole had an unbelievable <laughs> relationship. You know, yeah. phenomenal. He wasn't just a, a maker of goals for people, though. He could score phenomenal goals. I remember going to 
down to White Hart Lane and we beat Spurs 2-1. He scored two identical goals by like being the best player on the school team, just taking on the whole team. But this was Tottenham Hotspur, White Hart Lane. And he's doing it. He didn't just do it once, he'd done it twice. And in Europe when we played, and remember a goal he scored at Norwich when he looked up and looked like he was going to cross the keeper at Norwich, tried to read the cross, so he just hit it with the outside of his foot in the top corner where the keeper had vacated. And it was just... And then obviously Alan for what he does, Shira. I mean, breaking the club oh. record, the Premier League record, score, scoring all kinds of goals, scoring tapping, scoring thunderbolts, headers. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. you know, he wasn't the tallest. He was so strong, and he he was in the air. Um, I mean, I know I've picked me best one eleven for you guys, but when I yeah, think we'll about the, when I think about the strikers I played with. It was, it's 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 difficult because I've left some ridiculous strikers out of that team. Like, and you think, you know, I think I always say it. I was lucky when I think about the strikers I played behind. It's quite easy being a midfielder then because if I couldn't you, make you, goals, if I couldn't make goals for them, I was never going to make goals for anyone. Are you still in touch with them now, like? Yeah, still in touch with a lot of the guys. Yeah, 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 certainly. Obviously, the Newcastle lads, Alan and Peter, live close by to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coley I still keep in touch with Les through the football world still keep in touch with David David Kelly who was one of the first Mickey Quinn still see Quinny on the mm-hmm. talking circuit uh, Kev yeah, but just when you see Alan Shearer next right just remind him that Ian Bennett was the only goalkeeper to ever save one of yeah. his penalties and who was he playing for <laughs> by the way yeah. by the way there's another link between me and Benno playing the same youth team together at Newcastle and then I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet that was interesting I think Benno he was a great lad. He was. He actually saved two penalties in the playoff semi-final when we beat Eddie Howe's Bournemouth. He saved two penalties in the first the leg. Yeah. Down at Bournemouth. Oh, for Huddersfield, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we, we signed yeah. him. Yeah, I had a young goalkeeper called Alex Smithies who was exceptionally good. And, yeah, uh, and I brought uh, Ian. Yeah, I brought Ian Bennett in, and Benno was class. And I, I knew I knew Benno since I was sixteen because we played in the same uh, youth team together. Different class, Brilliant. great yeah. lad. Yeah. I always say Benno was probably about two inches away from playing in the Premier League, wasn't he? As in his height, you know, just been that little bit taller. When I was talking about the the difference, so Alex Smithies was a. A brilliant counter-attacking keeper would come and take crosses anywhere in his 18-yard box and get us set off. But Ian was obviously in his lack of inches, was a was a goal line keeper, so he wouldn't yeah. come for crosses. But my defenders knew that. So they knew with Alex when he was coming out, they had to get on the line to try and protect in case Alex dropped the cross and someone would get a shot in. So they would do that. But with Ian, they had to go and attack the cross because they knew Ian wasn't coming for it. And it was yeah. quite simple for the defenders. They knew with each keeper. Because each keeper stuck to it. So, like you say, f- f- with Ian, for his lack of height, he didn't come and complicate the game. So, one week he wasn't coming for crosses all over. Then the next week, staying on his line, he would stay on his line and just be a great shot stopper and make tremendous saves and have great presence, great communicate and distribution. And and that that's a sign of a, of a real top keeper, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Can we and welcome, sorry, gents, just one second. Can we welcome Steve Portman to the show? Um, Steve listens it every week. Um, Linda said he's late and he said, I moved the clocks back a week earlier. <laughs> 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 oh, no. Absolute quality. Crack on, Paul. Sorry, bud. I was just going to say, Lynn, the best player you've ever managed so far in your managerial career. Oh, God. Um... Well, as I said, obviously, the, with talent, is, you, you've got to look at Rav and what he could have done. But in terms of 
how consistent he was. I mean, as I said, Paul Robinson was one of my best signings. I mean, when when, when I talk about my time at Huddersfield, some of the lads that I took from lower leagues there and went on to have great careers, Jordan Rhodes, we took from Ipswich for 350000 and sold him to Blackburn for £12 million. Anthony yeah. Pilkington snipped from Stockport for 100000 We sold him to Norwich in the Premier League while he had a dislocated and broken ankle for... Three million, he would have went for double that if he was fit. So yeah. it's difficult to put it, uh, your finger on it. I mean, I've been lucky enough to have some. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Should we get on to your one to eleven? Should we do that now? Nick? Yeah, just, you just before you do that, Paul, Linda Magnus just sent a message. Full respect to you, Lee. You have all cheered me up from my sick bed. Get well soon, Linda. Um, yeah, so one yeah. to eleven, then, mate. Yeah, so these are the best players that you played with, aren't they, throughout your career? Yeah, uh, your playing career, uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, what we're doing? Four four two. No, I went for a four three one two because I've, as I said, I had all these attacking players, and I've had to try and squeeze three of them <laughs> in out about the ten or twelve that were had. <laughs> far away, far away. Well, number one, I think goes without saying, he's world class. He's won everything in the domestic game both who uh, are in the UK and, and in Europe in terms of with Ajax is Edwin van der Sar. Yeah. Lucky enough to have three great years with him at Fulham. We got him from Juventus. It was it was a real coup at the time when we got him to come to Fulham. Yeah, brilliant. Um, he left, yeah. left back, John Beresford, who was very athletic, up and down on the left-hand side. Great deliverer of the ball. As I said, really, really athletic. Not the biggest, but very competitive. Left-sided centre-half and left-footed, Chris Coleman, who I played alongside yeah. and then ended up becoming my me, uh, me manager at Fulham. I actually keep convincing him I got him the job the day I scored the <laughs> winner against Newcastle when he was in for a manager. Um, so, uh, my right-sided centre-half was just absolutely awesome in every in, in every sense of the word and was 20 years ahead of his time because I talk about centre-halves wanting to come out and play. Well, no one was better than this guy, Philippe Albert. Oh, oh right. that, 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 goal, that goal against Man United. I was going to say the goal in the World Cup as well against Germany or uh, 94. Yeah, yeah. He, just well, he was that good. Through, you, yeah. you could play him anywhere. I mean, yeah. he, he scored a goal one day against Manchester City and he played He played about 8 1 2s going through centre half, centre midfield, mm. centre forward, then just slipped it past the keeper. He was a, an out and out striker. So he was, he was phenomenal. Um, and, and a great guy, a really good guy. The one that sticks in right the head back. is the Man United. Sorry, I was going to oh, say, the, the one that sticks in the head the, the chip against Man United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you play in that league? Did you play in that game? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I was involved in that I game. Know. Yeah. yeah, great. I remember so, that. So, right back, obviously, you know, a few options. Barry Venison was a very experienced player, very consistent. Big pal of mine, Steve Watson, who done really well as a right back. Yeah. Uh, Steve Finnan, who I played with at Fulham, went on to win the yeah. Champions League at yeah. Liverpool. Us, but I've, yeah. gone for, I've, got, I've gone for our own blue nose and captain of the Carlin Cup winning team, Stephen Carr. Yeah. What a man. I played with, I played with Corsi. I played with Corsi second time round at Newcastle. We're, we're good pals. We're very good mates. And uh, we're still keeping in touch. We see each other quite regularly. He's, he's living Ask over him to in come on for us. <laughs> Oh, you've got no chance. You've got Wait. no chance for... Because he just doesn't, he do, he's miserable. He doesn't want to speak to anybody. He's just a pain in the backside. <laughs> Unless he's taking money off you playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, that's me, me back four. The yeah. middle three is uh, is a flat three, is Robert Lee. Yeah, uh, 
and he was an outstanding player. Came as a right winger, ended up being a central midfield player. And probably yeah. and obviously he managed his son, didn't you? Ollie, Ollie Lee's son, obviously. Yeah, Ollie, I, yeah, I had Ollie. Ollie's now with Hart and Midlothian doing well. Elliot Lee, the other brother, at Luton. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was, was, you know, Rob was a phenomenal oh, footballer. Ollie Lee was always someone I felt a bit sorry for because I think there's only, a, if it was a fair minority, it was a minority, but he used to get a lot of stick because people would say that you were the only, you're only playing in the team because you knew his dad. But actually, I yeah, thought he was yeah. a half-decent player. For the time that we had, I thought, and to be fair, he's gone on to prove since then, he's done well, to be honest, well in his career. Some of the, some of the games that we, because we, we had a reputation at that time as well, we used to come strong in the last 30 minutes, didn't we? When Sometimes yeah. you think the game's gone. And if you remember the cup tie against Stoke City, I think they would Stoke, go 4-4. Yeah. Four, 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 yeah. Ollie yeah, came on cup. that second half, and I know it was Damari's debut, I think, but Ollie was phenomenal in the second half. He got yeah. the right on the right foot. Because we'd lost Wade Elliott, didn't Wade get sent off? We were, that, we were yeah, man down elbow, as well. Elbow, it was yeah. an elbow, wasn't it? And, and we played yeah. brilliant second half. We, we, you know, they were in the Premier League at the time. We, so we got the 4-4 and unfortunately lost to Lampens. And I think Ollie played a massive part in that. Yeah. So, yeah he was a... said, to be honest with you, me and Rob had many fallouts about uh, over Ollie. Rob wanted me to pick him. And, and, so there was never that pressure. It was actually the opposite. So yeah. um, I just felt he was a good footballer. And, like what we had it was, at the time. In, in, in the market we were in, he, he fitted yeah. into that criteria because he, you know, he wasn't costing a lot of money. So, mm-hmm. uh, so obviously Rob Lee, you know, got David Batty. Yeah, he was good player. You know, David was you know a, a, a holding midfield player. Um, probably better than player than what people give him credit for. At times have said he was a little bit negative. He had two terrific feet, passing range, brilliant. We got on really well. He was a good guy, um, you know. Even though me and him were vying for the same role at times, but he was really good. And then am on I the right, left, go on. Sorry. Ask, am I right in saying um, David Batty? He absolutely hates football, doesn't he? Yes, so, he absolutely hated the game. <laughs> so, so, so when he's left, he's never been seen. He's into superbikes, and uh, he's 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 not interested in football one little bit. Wow. So, wow. so on the left of that three, you've got. Uh, the playboy himself, the Greek god David Ginola. Oh, so, what's a player? What a player! But even oh. even those players used to fancy him. <laughs> <laughs> now he came. He came. We didn't know a lot about him. We were signing him on Paris Saint Germain, two and a half million in the time, and we just this six foot three winger built like a, you know, yeah, Greek god, you know, and fantastic ability, left or right, cross, shoot, just. And, and, and he was that good. The rest of us in the team decided to do an extra bit of work without the ball because we knew that David's work without the ball wasn't great, but we knew that he'd win with so many games with the ball, we're prepared to do that. And, and that's how good he was. And there isn't many players you can really say that about where the rest of the outfield players are prepared to do a bit extra because then they knew this guy was going to be a match winner for you. Yeah, so that, that's me midfield yeah. three. I mean, I think David Batty and Rob Lee have a lot of work to do with David in there, but you know they have to just yeah. double down and crack on. And yeah. then me one, the, me one player in behind the strikers is obviously someone I've spoke about is Peter Beardsley. Yeah, um, who would you know be a maker and scorer of fantastic goals? And behind the front two that I've got, you know, he'd just be creating goals every, every couple of minutes for them. So, and that front two would be obviously Alan Shearer. Mm-hmm. And uh, a big, a big pal of mine, Andy Cole, who 
what it's I don't know. I don't know if you guys know about this, but Andy's record something like 68, 69 goals in 83 games for Newcastle. It was a phenomenal. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah. he's the third. Uh, he's, yeah, he's the third highest Premier League goal scorer, isn't he? Yeah, so he, he was phenomenal for us and obviously went on to Manchester United and, 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 and won many and, trophies there, you know. And also as well, Andy Cole didn't used to take penalties either, did he? And he's still the no, third highest Premier League ne- goal scorer. Yeah, yeah never, never took a penalty, no. Coley. Never took incredible, a penalty. So even, incredible achievement. Even more, even more incredible. OK, it, loads it, coming in there. Mike it, Graham says, Hi guys, quick message to Lee. Wanted to say a massive thank you for your hard work and effort when you were a gaffer. Even though it didn't end great for you, can't thank you enough for the passion and effort you put into our club, especially at Bolton when you kept us up and ran to the Blues fans. What a moment that was. True passion. Thank you so much. Top man. Keep right on. Class. Yeah. There you go. Somebody asked me a question earlier as well. You know, what did you, what did you think of our anthem first time you heard it proper? Mm. Yeah, obviously you get to know it and you get to find about the history. You do your due diligence on the club and you, you, you want to know what, you know, the anthem is of the club and what the fans, you won't want to sing. And no, nah, it's, it's, there was some, like I said, there was many occasions late on in games where we got, we got results, in in the anthem came up and it's it's very special. That's that was yeah. that's the stuff you want to try and create on a weekly basis. We unfortunately couldn't do that. Before he came, sorry, sorry, Nick. <coughs> the Newcastle anthem. Yeah, local hero. It's called. Yeah, Dodge Straits, isn't it? Mark, Mark yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say yeah. before before you came to Blues League, did you sort of realise how big Blues were, or what did you know about the club? Did you know about the rivalry with them like, up the road and all the rest of it? You know, what were you? Did it oh, live yeah. up to expectations? Of course, or? stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, listen, you, you you never expect what you walk what I walked into in terms of the size of the club and the the the, the support and the training mm-hmm. facilities. I spoke a lot with Chris when Chris was leaving. I think Chris played a big part in me getting the job. So I, I sat down with Chris and talked about the, the group of players and. Um, you know, he did what he did say was, Lee, listen, go in with your eyes open. The, the, one of the reasons he was moving on was he knew the financial uh, ground and, 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 you know, set wasn't going to be the same as it was. He knew it was going to become more and more difficult after that great season Chris had had, mm. you know, in both Europe and, and, and getting to the playoffs. But I think that was, you know, when that call came to go and move on, it, it made it a little bit easier knowing what was c- coming up. But, you know, there was no way I want. I wasn't going. I was going to turn the job down. I just thought, uh, you know, if we could get a little bit of luck. But oh, sometimes when you you don't realise the, the the issues until you get really in there, and then you understand what what you're coming up against. You know, we could have told you. The, the, um, <laughs> I was I was going to ask because obviously you had it you had it at Blues, and then it's probably possibly even to a worse extent you had it at Blackpool and then Berry. Do the off the, does the off the step uh, does the off the pitch stuff actually affect you much in your day to day job? Does it how does it affect the players? Well, in the various different roles, I mean, at Birmingham, to, towards after about six seven months, when I was doing press conferences, it was very rarely about football. It was about yeah. the finances yeah. of the club. Yeah. It was about. Yeah. Were we under a transfer embargo? What did the embargo entail? Was there any takeover on the horizon? You should have done a Brian Clough. Stuff that I didn't really want yeah. to be. Stuff that I didn't really want to be bothered about. Can you shut up and then? Can you shut up and then ask me the question about the game, <laughs> young man? Yeah, and, 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 and that never happened to be the case. And 
and then it and then it was it was changing all the time of what we could do in the market and what we couldn't do and where we were where we were at. Um, you know that that summer after the Bolton game when I was having to recruit new players, we were easily in the bottom three for wages in the championship at that time. And yeah. How I convinced some of the players to come at that time because they, they had numerous offers much bigger than what we could give them was to show them the facilities that we had at Ross Hills and St Andrews and talk about the, the still the size of the crowds that we were getting even though you know the, the, the club the fans had suffered for such a long time so <laughs> that that was a, a big pull for some of the players that we got there you know we've suffered a <laughs> lifetime pardon we've suffered for a lifetime. Absolutely. Sorry, do you remember kissing a lad's head at Bolton after we uh, stayed up? Kicking a lad's head, kissing. This is, is going to be a conversation. <laughs> yeah. So we've got we've got a gentleman. We've got a gentleman called Dave Portman listening to the show, uh, and it was his son uh, Lee. That, uh, sorry, it was his son that whose head you kissed at Bolton, and the picture was in the papers um, the day after. Um, and yeah, I'll take right. my phone around. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, I can't see it. I can just yeah, see your finger. Yeah, it went in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's him, is it? <laughs> just that's the that's the geezer's son, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's a trip oh, down memory for oh, you. Oh, oh. I hope, I hope he doesn't put a claim in against us because I ain't got any money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've had this question come in three times now. I was going to answer, uh, ask it. Uh, Adam Wilkes wants to know, can you ask uh, Lee about the fit and proper person's test with Berry going to the dogs and the Carson Young shambles? Chris Brown can't ask me for his mic is broken, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, that's the biggest surprise for me all the time when, when these owners, a lot of them who get into positions of owning football clubs. So it's I think it's the fit and proper person's test, whatever they've got to do to go through that isn't as robust as it should be because there's too many. You know, that was one of the saddest things. And I could see that when I left Berry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Over. Isn't as robust as it should be. It's as loose as it can be. Yes. Mm. I, well, it yeah, really I probably, is. I, I'll probably use the wrong, <clears throat> wrong, wrong word and... Um, and, and when I when I was moving from Berry, I knew that that it was a club that um, was living beyond its means, and uh, there was going to be a, a, a big a big crash. I didn't think that that what happened to them eventually was going to happen, but I thought there was going to be issues. And it's so sad because it's it's a football club. It's it's about that community. It doesn't matter how many fans go through the terraces. It's it's the people's club, and you know you 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 want you don't. That's what worries me about this situation now. If if there's no you know help to the EFL clubs, they've given ten million today to the lower leagues, haven't they? <clears throat> All right, million. okay. Ten million. Ten million. That's, That's like a pill in the it. toilet no, for some of these is, clubs. I... Ten million. Disgraceful. Uh, it's it's why anyway, actually. Um, Dave right Portman, the other... Sorry, Dave Portman's on about his son getting kicked in the head. He just wants you to know, Lee, that it's his most favourite moment in his blue life so far. <laughs> That's play. what we're all about, yeah. mate. <laughs> I was on about. I was just going to say when everyone was whooping and cheering that Project um, Big Picture got voted down the other week. I was saying the cash that was on offer. I mean, I know there was in that there was bits of that plan that people didn't like, but the cash that was on offer. If that dries up now totally, clubs are going to go to the wall. It's. Um, yes. I, th- I thought. I thought it was very short sighted for people to start whooping and cheering the fact that the. Pro- the the actual plan failed because now 
in the long run, it could kill that could kill clubs. And we're talking multiple, probably talking mm-hmm. multiple clubs here. Mm. No, I totally agree. It's either way that there was issues with it, wasn't I? I didn't like the yeah. way they went and done some kind of secretive meeting. Um, I didn't, I didn't like the way that was done. Cloak and dagger. Everyone yeah. should be round the table sorting out the issues. Um, I think that's what's probably got most people's backs up, and it, it's probably backfired, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like you say, hopefully it doesn't doesn't mean that uh, you know some of these clubs that have been there for many many years are going to go to the wall because we've we've already lost Macclesfield, we've lost Berry, you know who who's next? Yeah, yeah, and uh, two minutes of the show left. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, Dave Portman, the lad, uh, the the lad, the dad of the lad, I think who, who you kicked. Says so that he's still got your jacket. <laughs> oh, and yes. It's, yes. And it's still on the brilliant. wall in his Class. Pride of Place. Great. Still, still got his jacket on the wall in Pride of Place. And it's his best blues, well blues moment of, of his life. When the gaffer kicks him in the head. Cracking. That's what the fans are. This is him. Uh, Mike Hill, thanks for tonight. Lee, your passion for blues out uh, continues and shines through. Top man, always welcome. Well, this has been an absolute whirlwind of a one tonight. This yeah. has been superb. Um, really, really appreciate you giving your time up. It's a Monday night, and you know what? Yeah, we're all as passionate as you are, Lee. We are, right? We really, really are. We're a very, very passionate club. Um, and what's going on at the moment around the world, we're hating as well as everybody else is hating. And because obviously, you know, everybody's not everybody, but you know, we're losing people as well. And, and so there's nothing we can do apart from just hang in there and wait for all this to somehow go over and um, we can get back to some kind of football normality. Well, anyway. Stay, stay safe and healthy. That's what we've got to do. And then get back and watch our football team and get back yeah. to supporting them. I'd like can you quickly, to... Uh, um, can we quickly do predictions for tomorrow? Because we've got Norwich um, away tomorrow on Sky. You I forgot we were playing. You're going to watch it? <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it. Obviously, yeah. a little club in main Norwich on my time when I was assistant Boy, manager there. So less of it. A lot, of, a lot of affinity, a lot of affinity for that club, but hopefully for the for the blue noses to get a result. Just a quick one from yourself and how how how's Itor doing? How how are you getting on? Are you is is things? How are the well, we performances? Lost. How are the team? We've we've definitely improved from where we were at. Yeah. the last we're a lot more structured, aren't we? Yeah, we're a lot more structured. Yeah, we won't more of an attacking threat. We won't be going down this I, uh, season, but to be, I spent, to be honest, I, I spent, I spent, I spent a lot of time with me northeast connections. I think I was obviously in between jobs when I was the manager when he took Middlesbrough up. So I seen quite a lot of them that season, and he had them very well organised and drilled. And that you know, they ended up becoming successful. And you could tell early in the season that they were going to be one of them teams that were going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think I think um, I, I think we're going to draw tomorrow. I think one one, one each. Mm. I'll take that. Um, I'm going to one nil One nil to Blues. I'll That'd be honest. Be I think we we look like we're going to struggle to score goals. I think if they get the first goal, we don't yeah, like scoring don't any know, goals. I'll be, opt- I'll be optimistic. I'll be. I'll say one one. But we 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 not watching us sometimes this season already. It's been like watching paint dry. I mean, we haven't scored a goal from open play. Um, we're, we're going to be solid stick, defensively, but we just don't create much. No. Yeah. Yeah, we well, haven't conceded a goal in open play. People, this no. is it. It's, it's already a minute past nine and I'm afraid we've got to close down right now. Um, it's mm. a shame, Lee, because I think we could have just carried on talking like till, <laughs> I don't know, a week next Wednesday, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> put the uh, clock back, hey, Nick, put the clock back an hour. 
We'll start with <laughs> <laughs> what, doing Portman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? The first proper blues manager we've had on, yeah, in the 10 years that we've been doing this, and this has just been a memorable, cracking show. From everybody connected with the blues, um, Lee, we wish you all the best in the future. And uh, thank you for that absolute iconic moment. And I'm sure Dave Portman's little and is still happy that he got kicked in the head. Kicked in the head. Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks oh man, it's for, been an absolute pleasure for the, mem- for the memories of uh, managing your fantastic club. Can I ask, what, can I ask one quick last uh, question? Can I have on one then. more quick question, Lee? Go on, Mark, have you got on. a fish? Have you got a fish pond? No. <laughs> <laughs> Judging no. by the rain that's coming, judging by the rain that's coming down outside Yarrow in the northeast, I might have one in the morning by the time <laughs> I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, right on. All the sponsored by Boyle Sports and with our good friends SAS Autos, Boys and Labour Club, and of course Garrison Coffee, Lee Clark. Hey, Mark. Yes, guys. Been a pleasure, mate. Getting excited now. Don't forget, we we want to see you back down the blues one day, mate. Yeah, yeah. You've got Uh, to keep in touch. Keep in touch because when all this is over, we definitely want to meet up with you. Come on, guys. Send us a text and we'll get. I'll get myself down. Have a beer with you guys. Super. Ray Ray Hobro, one of our long-term listeners, wants to know what you thought of the main stand. You know, behind you. Because we, we've now named it the Ray Hobro main stand on after him. <laughs> yeah, they were the one that used to give us pelters. All the best, guys. Cheers, Lee. Cheers, Lee. Yeah, good night, all. And good from myself, good night from Mrs. Brown, because <laughs> he has got a microphone. And Lee Clark, your end of message is. <laughs> it's gone. Signal button. As you don't want. Not sure. I think he's signaling. Looks like he's froze. I think he's signaling. What a program that was, kid. That was brilliant. Brilliant. Superb. Absolutely superb. That was so That's... enjoyable. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However. When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.